few moments I want to uh, share with you. This week, um, a few things happened that put me in a position where I was thinking about considering the events in American history uh, around the Second World War. And there were some significant figures, characters on the world stage during that time. Three prominent among many others. Uh, there's Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, and, uh, and of course, Winston, Sir Winston Churchill, and uh, our president, President Roosevelt, FDR, during that time. Huge, significant personalities. And uh, one thing that I had noticed as I study the history of this world war and this event is that these men had tremendous power with their mouth, tremendous power using their tongue and their speech to move and sway large groups of people. In fact, when you look at, first of all, the negative side, the history of this man named Adolf Hitler, he wasn't from a prominent family. He wasn't an extremely wealthy person. He wasn't highly educated. And outside of his speaking charisma, did not have a significant amount of talent. But using his mouth, his tongue, and his voice, he was able to sway an entire nation at a vulnerable time to a philosophy and a way of life and a perspective of the world that was so different and uh, so inhumane at its extreme and barbaric. Normal, civilized people turned into barbarians, if you would. And all of this happened, this impossible transition took place because of the power of the words. And, uh, of course, the great German Nazi army took over Europe and uh, was marching on towards the island of England, and it looked like just a, another domino among the dominoes that had already fallen until Great Britain fell under the influence of the Nazi regime. However, there was a problem, and that was a man named Sir Winston Churchill, who had a tremendous amount of revolve, resolve and uh, was able to use his speech to give great courage to an entire nation to withstand the barrage and the bombing and the uh, emotional and mental attack propaganda-wise that the Nazi regime was waging against Great Britain. This man was able to use his words to influence not just his nation, but to influence the history of Europe. And then, of course, our president, I was studying a little bit about him this week, and it was very interesting to find out that in this man's life, he was struck at the age of 38, which is my age, with uh, polio, which is also known as uh, infant paralysis, and uh, was paralyzed from uh, the waist down and unable to walk the rest of his life. But when you study the history of this man, you discover this resilient person whose words gave hope to this nation during a time of war through three and a half uh, terms as a president never admitted that he was paralyzed. He never believed he was paralyzed. To the day of his death, he would always was always continuously trying to walk, trying to figure out a way to get on his feet again, to get his legs working again. And historians say, yeah, he was in denial, he was delusional, but it served him well because he lived at a time where if someone was handicapped physically and unable to walk, they were usually uh, just, in essence, put out to pasture or put in a place where uh, their family would take care of them if they were able. Never again would they work or do anything profitable. But FDR became one of the greatest presidents in the United States because of this resolve and because of his unwillingness to accept defeat and because of his positive outlook and positive words. I want to share with you, remind you today, the power that are in your words and what you speak. 
And there are times in your life when you need to be diligent about speaking positive things. I think always we need to be diligent about speaking positive instead of negative. But there are times in our lives when we need to be extra diligent in this area. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, it says in verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And the New Living Translation of that same verse says, The tongue can bring death or life. I think the Second World War provided us a history of that, that there's power in the tongue to bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Amen. So there is power in our words. We are at a significant, important time in the history of our church. And I know that uh, God has great things in store for us. I know this. I believe this with all of my heart that this church is going to move forward. Amen. I believe that this church is going to move forward into God's destiny, into God's plan for us as a church body. I believe that we're going to be having great moves of God and a spirit of revival that will hover or brood over our church for the next month, maybe two months, maybe even three months, that the spirit of God is going to hover and brood and lives are going to be changed and people are going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sins are going to be washed away in the water of baptism, this is going to happen. How many believe that this is going to happen? Can you believe that with me? Hallelujah. Amen. And I also believe that this project that we embarked upon a few years ago or a little over two years ago, that God is going to enable us with our resolve, with us keeping the right attitude and a positive mindset and speaking the right things, that God is going to enable us to see this process through to completion. I believe with all my heart, amen, I believe with all my heart there will be... There will be another building sitting here on this site that will be throbbing with the anointing, hallelujah, and with the, the vitality and faith of God's people and great worship. And it's going to happen to the glory of God because God's people have faith and God's people aren't willing or uh, allowing themselves to get discouraged. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to share with you that we are... At a, at a very significant time in this building project process, although you don't see shovels flying and you don't see sledgehammers slamming against uh, walls, you don't see huge pieces of equipment rolling onto the property yet, we are in probably one of the busiest and uh, most significant strategic times in this project. In fact, we received an email uh, just this week from our civil engineer highlighting 13 different things that we're addressing for the county of L.A. that have to be addressed prior to our site plan being approved. So this back and forth is happening. They're not impossible situations. They seem like they're things that we'll be able to resolve, but they're very detailed and very ticky-tacky, and we're going through this process right now. Also, we are uh, uh, seeking to complete the layout of uh, the building, um, and, and wrap up that phase. We were trying to get it done by last week so that uh, we could present the rendering to you. Uh, but it's going to be, everybody listen carefully because this is pretty cool. It's going to be 17,000 square feet when we complete the project. This building that we're sitting in now is less than 5,000 square feet. So that means it's going to be more than three times the size. That's counting upstairs and downstairs. Three times the size. So it'll be a... 80 feet by 110 feet on the ground level, but also we'll have 80 feet by 110 feet second story as well, so that upstairs will be the children's ministry, a student center, the offices, uh, a little cafe and kitchen for the kids and uh, young people, and uh, then a small apartment for missionaries and evangelists. And downstairs will be our auditorium. Downstairs will be a nice uh, foyer. Uh, the nursery, a prayer room that will be accessible from the outside, and uh, nice restrooms 
And in the prayer room, let me mention this as well. In the prayer room, uh, the plan is that there will be an access where you can type in the code that you have so that any time of day or night you can come by and spend some time in prayer. You'll be able to go into the prayer room. You won't be able to access the rest of the building through that code. Uh, But uh, we want this place to be a place of prayer. Amen. For all nations, for all people at all hours of all days. Amen. And so we're excited about what's happening. We want to share with you as soon as possible our exterior renderings and uh, the inside of the building. But I want you to stay diligent with your mind and believe together with us. I know that I can maintain the excitement because every day I'm dealing with the issues and the details and I know this project's moving forward. I know you guys, uh, the majority of you are on the outside uh, of the day-to-day detail and minutia of this project. So I want to share with you that this thing is moving forward and I want you to stay encouraged. I want you to speak faith. I want you to help us pray. Amen. Is there some things that uh, uh, are very important as we move through uh, the details with the county that we don't get hung up in a couple of areas? Uh, Also, as we seek the funding for the project, the uh, portion of the project that we haven't raised money for, uh, that there would be no hang-ups or snags in that process. But let us speak faith and let us believe for great things because the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. Amen. In the story of uh, Joshua, this uh, great leader of the people of Israel, when he took the city of Jericho, the first uh, conquest in the promised land, it's very interesting that uh, God gave to Joshua specific instructions as to how they were going to take the city of Jericho. And Joshua took the instructions that God gave to him and relayed them very uh, uh, carefully and very specifically and exactly, if you would, to the people of Israel. Because God told them that he wanted the children of Israel to come past the great walled city of Jericho for seven days to walk about the walls. And then on the seventh day, they were to walk seven times around the wall. And there were to be seven priests with ram horns that took before the Ark of the Covenant that led this group of people marching seven times. So anybody notice the number seven over and over and over again? God's number of completion and perfection. And so Joshua reiterated all of the commandments that God had given to him. Some of you have heard this before, but some of you need to be reminded of this, that after he stated everything that God told him to state, Joshua also added his own instructions as well. In verse 10 of Joshua chapter 6, Joshua said, by the way, he's already told them everything that God said to declare, but Joshua said, by the way, verse 10, do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout and then shout. Amen. If you wonder why Joshua told them to bite their tongue until it was time to shout, it was because Joshua knew personally the power that was in the tongue for good and for evil. He knew that obeying God and lifting up their voice and shouting for the victory would bring about the victory at the right time. But he also knew that they could talk themselves out of the miracle as well. So he said, hold your tongue. The reason Joshua knew this is because he was a young man 40 years prior when he had been there at the point of Kadesh Barnea. And God was ready for his people at that time to possess the promised land. He was ready to deliver them and fight for them. But the story goes, many of you have heard it, if not all, that 12 spies were sent out into the promised land to spy it out for 40 days. And when they came back with their report after 40 days, Ten of them brought back a negative report of the land. They focused on the giants that were there and the impossibility and the barriers that were there for them achieving the promise. They said, we are as grasshoppers in their sight. The Bible says that it wasn't just a negative report, but it was an evil report. And the reason it was an evil report is because it contradicted a promise of God. And see, they had forgotten who they were as God 
God's people and they focused on the size and the formidability of the enemy that they were facing. And the final summation of the ten negative spies was, we be not able. Amen. We'd be not able to talk the, to take the land. This was not humility speaking, but this was disobedient doubt that was speaking through their lips. And they spoke the word. And because they spoke the word, the negative report that they gave demoralized the people. And they talked themselves out of the miracle. They talked themselves out of the promise. They talked themselves out of the victory. And they talked themselves into 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness. I want to remind you today, Life Church, that there is power in your words. Power for good and power for bad. Every day you get whatever you say. If you speak it, it can come to pass. And our words become self-fulfilling prophecies. Negative thoughts and negative words will keep you in a defeated state of mind. And as Christians, you must remember that you are in spiritual warfare. You are engaged in a battle with the enemy of your soul. And we have to be careful how we think and especially careful what we say because there is power in our words for good or for evil. And whatever it is that you are saying, you are giving life to. You give life to whatever you speak, either good or bad. And some of you are living discouraged lives right now. And part of it is because you think certain thoughts and speak certain things like nothing. Nothing good ever happens to me or I'll never be successful or I don't have what it takes uh, to accomplish that or or I'll never get out of this mess. Uh, This type of negative speaking paves the way for your future and your words are like seeds uh, and when you speak them aloud they are planted in your mind uh, and they take root and they grow and they produce fruit. Our lives have a tendency to to move in the direction of our words. I want to remind you today, people of God, I want to remind you today, friends, that there are power in your words. And when you speak positive things, it draws positive things into your life. And when you think and speak negative, self-defeating words, you put yourself into a negative downward spiral from which you can only talk your way out of. In James chapter 3, Verses 4 and 5, the tongue is compared to the rudder of a ship. The rudder of a ship. What is a rudder? It's a small thing in comparison to the size of the ship. You look at uh, the great ships, the Titanic, and then the great uh, contemporary ships, whether they be battleships or pleasure leisure ships. And you look at them, study them, you'll notice that in comparison the rudder is a very small thing. But that small thing determines the direction and the destiny of that ship. The Bible compares our tongue in that way. It's like the rudder of a ship. And when you speak words of failure, when you speak these types of words, you will live a defeated and discouraged life. And negative words will keep you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. And when you speak something long enough with passion, eventually your subconscious mind begins to act on it and do whatever is necessary to bring those words to pass. Amen. So we've got to learn to use words to our disadvantage or to our advantage as opposed to our disadvantage. Amen. You've got the tools. You've got the tools and the power for life or death is in the tongue. You can speak positive things and bring positive things and begin to believe positive things and begin to reap positive fruit in your life. Or with the same mouth, you can reap negative things and speak self-defeating things and, and, uh, and, and harvest negative fruit in your life as well. You have the power to do it. And I want to stand before you today and say this is not a self-help seminar, but these are principles from the 
Word of God. Your tongue is like a rudder of a ship. And whatever way you're talking is the way your life and your destiny is going to unfold. So I want to encourage some people of God today to spit out the negativity and begin to talk good things. Talk positive things. Speak the promises of God. Speak words of faith. Whatsoever you shall ask in faith, believing, ye shall receive. If you speak it in faith, you can have it. If you talk it, you can believe it. If you believe it, you can receive it. There is power in your words. Come on, praise the Lord right now. And let me say this, you need to be particularly careful about what you say during times of adversity and hardship. Amen. You've got to be vigilant with your tongue during a recession. You've got to be vigilant with your tongue during times of stress in your family. You've got to watch what you say. Or as my mom used to say, watch your mouth. Uh huh. When things are going bad and when things aren't perfect. Because the more positive your thoughts and words are during times of adversity, the stronger you will be through the trial and the sooner that trial will be over. The Bible makes it plain that it rains on the just and the unjust. We sang today that the same God that gives takes away as well. He gives and He takes away. And it rains on the just and the unjust. We're going to have to go through some tough times. But if you're vigilant with your mouth during the trial, you'll keep your spirits up and the trial will last shorter. You'll come through. Amen? You'll come through. I want to encourage somebody today to learn to watch your mouth and speak positive things. Somebody needs to begin to speak positive things about your marriage and your spouse. Speak faith. Speak positive things about your children. Come on, somebody. Speak positive things about your church. Speak positive things about your job and your career. Speak positive things about what God is going to do in your life. The power of life and death is in your tongue. And so you must guard what you say even closer during times of trouble. Because you're vulnerable and you could slip into a negative attitude with a few inappropriately spoken negative words. One thing to remember, and I've said this before, I think it's so fascinating, is that uh, there are many powers that our enemy has, the enemy of our soul, Satan. Uh, But one of them that he does not possess is the divine characteristic of omniscience. Which means, even though God is omniscient or all-knowing and knows everything, Satan, is the Satan, the fallen angel Lucifer, is not omniscient. Neither are his minions of demons. And so, in order to attack us, They can't just capture our thoughts like God can, who knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. But they have to strategically capture our words and watch the things that we say and use those words against us. I remember one time uh, a man of God preaching and uh, his wife had an encounter with an evil spirit. And some of you may in your life have encountered Uh, a a time where you felt a closeness of a presence that was vile or evil. A spirit of fear or some evil spirit that the enemy has sent to buffet or attack you. This lady uh, was one who warred in the spirit and a woman of faith and a woman of prayer. She told her husband that she was awoken in the night by a eerie evil presence that uh, she knew immediately she was going to have to rebuke through the power of the name of Jesus. But she observed this presence sitting at the end of the bed like a genie with arms and legs crossed, just staring at her. Suddenly, whether it was, I don't remember if it was a word from the Spirit itself or if it was God revealing to her what this 
evil spirit was, the evil spirit's name was strategy. The evil spirit's job was to observe and to capture words that could be used against her in a time of trial because she was a mighty warrior of God. Understand, amen, thoughts that are discouraging are not knowable to the enemy until you voice them. And when you voice them, he knows that there is a weak spot there. He recognized that there is a vulnerability there that he can use against you. And someday you will eat the fruit of what you say. You may not eat the fruit of every thought, but you'll eat the fruit of every word because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'm encouraging someone today to change the direction of your life by shifting the rudder a little bit and learning to speak positive things because whatever you speak it sends your life in that direction if you speak success amen if you speak God's blessing and favor then your life begins to move in that direction the Bible speaks repeatedly against something called murmuring everybody say murmuring murmuring is an ancient archaic English word that simply means grumbling and complaining. The Bible speaks against murmuring, against grumbling, and against complaining. So I'm encouraging you today, don't talk about your problems. Some of you talk about your problems too much. Some of us, Four fingers pointing back or three fingers pointing back. Well, I got one pointing in your direction is that we speak about our problems too much. But there's a lot we could talk about on the other direction because we have a solution that this world knows not of. And when we face adversity, when we go through tough times, when we go through lean times, we could talk about all the problems and all the negativity and all the reasons why we're hurting. Or we can talk about the God that's able to do all things. We could wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God. I'm a servant of the most high God. He's got my back. I'm seeking his favor. He's ordering my steps. I know blessings are coming my direction and on my backside, goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I've got Jesus on the inside. He's working on the outside. I'm not going to stand up and grumble and complain and moan about what I don't have, about how tough life is, about the struggles that I'm going through, or I can stand up in faith and say, I've got a big God. I've got a capable God. I've got a mighty God. I've got a God that's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, somebody help me praise Him right now. He's a big God. Some people are so glib. They use their tongue like a paintbrush. And they can beautifully illustrate down to the most minute detail the complexity of their bad situation. They use their words to describe their negative situation. But you can take that same paintbrush and use your tongue to change your situation. Begin to speak faith. Amen. Get rid of negative talking and begin to speak positive things. I believe victory's coming. I believe revival's coming. I believe there's a harvest of souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there's a harvest of souls. I believe revival's coming to my family. I believe revival's coming to my church. I believe revival's coming to my community. I believe revival is coming. Well, let me just share this with you. Just avoiding negative talk is not enough. Well, I'm not going to speak negative anymore. Good step. You put up the defense. But any team that has a good defense and absolutely no offense is not going to win. They may pull off a tie or two, but they're not going to win unless they learn to go on the offensive. And how do you go on the offensive with your tongue? Some people say, I know how to be offensive with my tongue. That's not what I'm talking about. You go on the offensive with your tongue by speaking faith, by claiming the promises of God. 
becoming personally familiar with the promises of God that relate to your life and voice them and speak them. Amen. Amen. Jesus told us to speak to mountains. In Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shalt not doubt in your heart. These are the words of Jesus. Some of you like the red letters. These are red letters right here. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. If you speak it and you believe it in your heart without wavering, Jesus said you shall have what you say. He didn't just say you can have what you want, but he did say you can have what you say. There's power in your tongue for good and for evil. Therefore I say unto you what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. It may not be on my timetable. It may not be right quick. It may not be when I want it. But it'll always be when I need it. Because the old song says he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him. But he'll be there right on time. And if you ask, you shall receive. If you ask, you shall receive. If you speak it in faith without doubting, you shall receive. When you have faith, you can speak to the mountain. Some of you staring at a mountain right now. You walked up to it and you said, in your mind, and even with your tongue, impossible. How can this happen? Uh, in this economy, with these things I've been through, with this spouse... With these issues with my kids, this is impossible. Jesus said, you can speak to your mountain. You can speak to your mountain. He said, speak to your mountain. Speak to your mountain. Hallelujah. He didn't say speak about your mountain. He said, speak to your mountain. Some of us are so good at describing every contour, every rock and every crevice in our impossibility. Jesus said, didn't, didn't say speak about your mountain. He said, speak to your mountain and say, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. I feel some faith welling up in this house. I feel some people that know how to believe God who are saying, I can believe God. I can believe God. I'm not going to let my faith get trashed. I'm not going to let my faith get destroyed and defeated through circumstances and difficulties. And as Joshua taught us, you can talk yourself out of a miracle. But with faith, you can talk yourself into a miracle as well. you got to learn to speak words of faith. Everybody say words of faith. And I'm wrapping up here in five minutes. Everybody say words of faith. You have a word of faith. you got a word of faith. Everybody say, i got one. And somebody say, i got a whole basket full. I have words of faith. Where are those words of faith? The Bible tells us where they are in Romans chapter 10. It says in Romans 10, verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. It's close to you. Even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith is in your mouth and in your heart. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto in the direction of salvation. I want to tell you today, the Word of God makes it clear that in your heart uh, there is faith. Uh, but that faith has to be voiced with your mouth. Because uh, the Word of faith or confession is what makes things happen. The Word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Uh, somebody needs to learn how to speak faith. Hey, you ever been around somebody who's positive? been around somebody who always has something good to say. When you're around them, you leave encouraged. You may be the whole time they're talking saying, you're full of baloney. 
That ain't going to happen. That's impossible. But just hearing it makes you feel a little bit better. Hearing an encouraging word. Hearing an uplifting word. Some of you need to learn how to encourage yourself like David did in the Lord. Say a positive word about your own situation. Go ahead and say it out loud. It makes the enemy mad. He wants you to hold your peace when it comes to positivity and speak your peace when it comes to negativity. But I'm challenging you to hold your peace when you feel a negative word and speak your peace when you feel something in your heart that is a word of faith that can come out of your mouth. That's why I choose to speak boldly when I feel an unction of God. I choose to speak boldly. God said he want, it's time for this church to jump on the wave of revival. There's a wave coming whether you see it or not. There's a swell coming whether you see it or not. And I'm encouraging those of you that are people of faith to get ready to jump on it. I'm encouraging you to speak faith. I'm encouraging you to come to these prayer meetings and pray with faith. I'm encouraging you if there would be, I'm going to ask you this week to take one day and push upside the plate and say we're fasting today for revival. If there's anybody that will choose a day and do that this week, lift up your hand with me right now. Don't choose tomorrow. That's a holiday. Do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. One of these days, Saturday this week. Say, I'm going to fast. I'm believing God that next week when we walk through the doors, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to be here so strong that people won't hardly make it to their seats before tears start to flow. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Speak a word of faith. It's in your mouth. Man, this is a simple principle, but it bears repeating that whenever there's a promise of God, you've got to mix faith with it. And you mix faith with your words. Hebrews 2, 1, uh, 4, 1 says, Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For under us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. A prophetic word does not profit you unless you mix faith with it. You say, how do I mix faith? You use your tongue. The word of faith is in your mouth. And you say, I believe it. That's why it's good to say amen when the preacher says something you believe. Amen? It's not just to create a cool, jazzy atmosphere. It's about mixing faith with the promise of God and mixing faith with the word of God. And when I say God can save your kid, I want you to say? And when I say God can save your neighbor, I want you to say? And when I say God's going to fill people with the Holy Ghost, I want you to say, come on, I believe revival's coming to this community. I believe revival's coming to this church. I believe God, come on somebody. I wonder if there's somebody that could get as excited about it right now before you see the evidence, before you see the swell on the horizon. Is there somebody that can say there's a wave coming? And I believe the preacher. I believe the Word of God. with the issue of blood when she saw Jesus in the distance said in herself another translation just says she said if I can but touch the hem of his garment I shall be made whole if I can just touch here's the crazy part you know what before that in scripture there is not a single example of anyone who received a miracle by touching the clothes of Jesus it was not in any handbook somewhere. It was not established protocol. Miracle 101 touches clothes. Miracle 102 get him to spit into your eyes. No, Miracle 101 hadn't been written. There was no process for touching clothes for a miracle. But she created this protocol when she spoke the words and said, If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, after she got her miracle, 
Bible says there were people jumping for his clothes and grabbing his clothes and receiving virtue and miracles. But she was the one who set it in motion because she spoke a word and said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She pushed her way through the crowd in faith. She pushed her way through every obstacle in faith until she touched his clothes and the virtue flowed from Jesus and the issue of blood dried up. And from that moment she was healed and Jesus knew something had happened because there was faith in operation. The disciples said when Jesus said, who touched me? He said, people are all around touching you. You're being buffeted on every side. Why are you saying, who touched you? Jesus said, somebody touched me. And what he meant was there's somebody who touched me with an operation of faith in their mouth that caused something to happen. And the promises of God were unleashed in their life. Now you can go to church with the masses. You can go home with the masses and say, wasn't it nice to be in the presence of Jesus? Or you can get the determination and the faith of this lady that says, if I can touch Jesus, my life will be changed. If I can simply touch him, things will be different because of the word of your mouth the promises of god will be unfolded in your life stand to your feet right now hallelujah thank you jesus oh hallelujah oh hallelujah oh hallelujah 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 amen 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 i want to see a flood of the holy spirit I know that when the uh, breach in the levee in New Orleans started, it was very small, just a trickling over the edge, but it began to erode away more of the levee until it was flowing in like a stream. That stream became a river until finally the levee was washed away. And I feel right now in the spirit realm that there is something moving, something beginning to be pushed aside. There's doubt, unbelief, and fear that's being pushed aside so that God's anointing can flow, so that His favor can flow into your life right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm believing for great things. I'm believing for revival. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for financial miracles. I'm believing, Lord God, for people to be delivered and set free from Satan. I'm believing for families to be put back together again. And I'm believing in faith that it's going to happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, lift up your hands right now all across this place if you would. Jesus, come on, just whisper his name. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I believe for my miracle. I believe for the victory. I believe for a change. I believe for a transformation. I believe for newness. Is there anybody that refuses to be silenced? Is there anybody that says, I want to use my tongue to talk my way into victory? I want to believe for revival. I want to cry out to the Lord in faith. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, this altar area is open. In just a moment, I want to encourage those of you that say, God, I want what you got for me. I want what you got for me. I'm believing for it. I'm full of faith. I'm full of expectancy. You're going to do something in my life, Jesus. And just like blind, blind Bartimaeus on the roadside, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. In faith he cried. In fact, so much so that Jesus finally said, I haven't seen this kind of faith. What great faith. What great faith. How did he show that faith? With his mouth. He showed it by lifting up his voice. While others tried to silence him and said it's impossible, he lifted up his voice. And I want to encourage you to speak faith. Why don't we gather together right now in the name of Jesus. Just slip, slip out of the seat right there and let's move up to the front in the name of the Lord. As a church, God, we want, we want faith to reign supreme.
Come on, that's it. Is there anybody that has faith today? The devourer has been speaking long enough, telling you that you can't and you won't. But in the name of Jesus right now, I want you in faith to begin to take hold the promises of God. In the name of the Lord. That's it. Come on, lift up your hands to him. Let's reach out to God. right now. Claim the promises of God in your life. Jesus, I claim it. Come on, somebody. The devourers tried to discourage you long enough. It's time for you to turn the tide on the enemy. Come on, fight back right now. Fight back in the right way. Fight back with faith. Fight back with words of faith. Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm trusting you. I believe you, Lord God. He's a 
if you'll do this, I want you just to do this right now. I want you to point to your mouth. Amen. And, and you're just doing this for your benefit, not for anyone else. I want you to make a confession that I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to watch my mouth. And this week, Lord Jesus, let me refrain from saying self-defeating negative yes. things. Yes. This week, I'm going to refrain from saying self-defeating negative things. It's not your will, God. And when I begin to speak it, Lord, I pray that you'd help me recognize that I'm ready to speak a negative word. I begin to practice speaking using my mouth to my advantage in spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Now I want you to practice. Here's how, what I want you to do. If you're a man, use the man phrase. If you're a woman, use the woman phrase. But I want you to say this. I'm a man or a woman. I am a man of God. I am a man of God. God's favor is on my life. God has big plans for me. God has big plans for me, yes. God wants to use me for something special this week. The Lord is ordering my steps. The Lord is ordering my steps. God is bringing me into contact with people that He wants to use me to minister to. I'm anointed of God. God's going to use me. God's going to use my brokenness. God's going to use me despite my weakness. I'm walking in favor with God. I'm walking in His anointing. Come on, speak it right now. Do you feel something? Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's take it a step further. Doors are going to open instead of close. Yes, come on now. The right doors are going to open. Yes, Lord. The wrong doors are going to close. Yes, yes, yes. God's going to show me His way. He's going to make it clear to me. I'm going to step through the doors in Jesus' name by faith. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, believe it right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Devil makes me so mad church full of good people devil wants to make you think you can't do anything for God because you're not perfect guess what nobody's perfect right, right. except for Jesus he was perfect and we're trying to be like him but in the meantime the devil try to beat you up make you feel miserable make you feel useless get you so depressed and discouraged you need to do like David and encourage yourself in the Lord I wonder what David said there when they were talking about stoning him, and I'm not going to preach another sermon, but they were thinking about stoning him. They had turned against him because their families had been lost. The city had been torched, burned, ziklag, burned to the ground. The Bible said, David, while he was facing mutiny, facing mm. potentially his people turning against him to kill him, mm. the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. What did David say? I don't know what David said, but maybe it was like this. Maybe David went somewhere and away from the guys and walked out to a patch of torched ground where a house used to be and started walking around saying, God, you're the God that delivered me from the paw of the lion. You're the God that delivered me from the paw of the bear. You're going to deliver me from this situation. I just believe I'm going to get my family back. I just believe everybody's going to get their family back. Amen. We haven't seen any corpses yet. All we've seen is a burnt village. I believe we're going to get our beloveds back. I believe we're going to get our stuff back. I believe good things are going to happen. But somehow David came out of that situation wherever he encouraged himself and his countenance was different. He had faith. His head was held high. His jaw was set because God had said, go after him and you will recover it all. You're going to get it all back. You're going to get it all back. But I want you to notice that David had learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. He, he talked himself back into it. Oh yeah. Amen. Right at the point of suicide or homicide, one of the two, he was about to die. But he talked himself 
back into it. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. I will see you guys Wednesday night. Some of you will be here Monday for prayer. Some of you will not because of the holiday. That's fine. But Wednesday night we'll have prayer here at the church at 7. And take your day and fast this week and let's have revival. Make sure you let Brother Barbosa know how much you enjoyed him being with us. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.